Well, hey mamas. Today's episode is with my good friend, Sandy Bridges. Sandy and I met almost three years ago now, when both of our little boys were still taking bottles and not riding scooters. We were in a baby dedication class at our church and we got to talking, and I asked if they were involved in a small group, and from there, well, the rest is history. Sandy and I have probably had hundreds of chats and novel long-sized text message conversations since then, and we've grown to be incredible friends. Sandy and I live in the same neighborhood, and she's saved my life multiple times when I travel for work by dropping off or picking up one of my children. Professionally, Sandy is a business owner. She owns Fresh Aesthetics, which is a spa here in town specializing in facials, waxing, eyelash extensions, microblading, pedicures, manicures, and the occasional Botox and Bubbles party. Today we're going to talk business, business ownership, motherhood, probably some marriage, probably a Jen Hatmaker quote or two, and the rest we'll just see what happens. But thanks for joining us for this episode of Memoirs from the Minivan. Hey girl, how are you? I'm better now that I'm hanging out with you. (laughs) Can you believe that I had to say three years in that intro? It does not feel like our boys should be turning four this summer. It doesn't. It sort of feels like I've known you for forever and like no time all at the same time, right? Right. I feel that. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you joining me today. Super appreciative of your friendship and all the ways that you've helped me launch this podcast. And I'm thrilled. She keeps saying I helped her launch it. I did nothing, but I'll (laughs) take You brought me cookies. I did. Oh, I did. Because it's a good celebration. She brought me cookies in the shape of a minivan. I did try to organize a more like, I don't know celebratory thing but like some people couldn't make it and some people forgot their signs and some people had to work so it was just me and Casey holding on the fort. Well it was awesome. (laughs) I really really loved it. Um, So before we jump in can you tell listeners a little bit about you and your family? Um, I I'm not from Nashville. I'm not from Tennessee, like a lot of us Tennesseans. But Nadia, you're a, a I local. Am. I'm from here. You're born and bred. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up just outside of Detroit in a tiny little um, town that was five square miles, actually in the same county that Nadia's husband um, is from, which is coincidental so and weird. Yeah, he's much, much older than me. He's going <laughs> to love to hear that. Um, so we didn't like know each other at the same time. But um, yeah, I grew up just outside of Detroit. Um, I was raised by a single mom. Um, I had a really, I guess, good childhood, I wouldn't say. like <laughs> My parents divorced when I was two, so I never really knew them together. I never really um, had an example of marriage, which kind of comes into play later in my marriage. Um, but I never really felt like I was lacking, which I think was awesome. My mom was a great mom. She tried really hard. Um, I grew up surrounded by awesome women. My mom's sisters, my dad's sisters, my cousins. I had so many strong women in my life. My mom had great girlfriends that she surrounded me with, that she surrounded herself with. And so I never felt like there was a shortage of love, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. um, My mom was a housekeeper at a hospital for like almost 40 years. And I was for sure a latchkey kid. I went to before care and after care. And I think 
when I first started staying home by myself, I was probably in fourth or fifth grade, like probably entirely too. You would never do it now, right? No, probably not. <laughs> that was like walking home in fourth grade. Um, so I was a latchkey kid, and I, I think that has shaped a lot of who I am now. Um, and then we sort of, I met my husband in college. Um, we got married in 2008. We moved here to Nashville in early 2012 for my husband's job. Well, really for any job, because the economy was terrible. And we both kept losing our jobs in, Na- or in uh, Detroit. That was the 2008 It was recession. terrible, yeah. right? We, like, graduated yeah. college and got married, and nobody... I think for the first five years we were married, the two of us didn't work at the same time. Like, it was like, Man. I... <laughs> I know, there's, like, a rough start. Marital bliss. Girl, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the first time my husband got laid off was, like... I think within six months of when we got married. Wow. We had to move in with my mom in a one-bedroom condo. That, that sounds whole, amazing. That, <laughs> that's like a whole nother. It's like your first year of marriage. It was one-bedroom. My mom slept on the couch. God bless my mom, right? God bless your mom. It, she it was slept like, on the couch. She did because it was her first year of marriage. She gave us the only bedroom in her tiny little wow. condo. It was like crazy. But, um, yeah, my husband moved here to Tennessee for work. Um, I started a new career pretty shortly after we got here we have one son his name is joe nadia said he's the same age as her son mason they're about to be four well joe joe before in a couple weeks mason's got a few months to go but um i don't know i own a business (laughs) i own a business in hendersonville tennessee which is just outside of nashville um it's my second business that i've started and um I really, caffeine is my drug of choice. I have zero gals <laughs> about it. I can, I'm drinking a cup of coffee as we speak. I can drink coffee at any time of day. It really doesn't right? affect me. When you're a mom, you don't have the, I can't drink caffeine past. You just don't. A certain time. You just don't. I can drink a cup of coffee and go straight to bed. Yeah. It's one of my superpowers. For real. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I am glad that you guys ended up back here in Tennessee and that now we get to share this journey of motherhood and especially the working mom like component (laughs) I mean I think you and I talk a lot about business and working and juggling all the things and we're laughing because there was a cat out here a second ago yeah we're recording this um after our kids have gone to bed on Nadia's patio so you might hear a cricket or a cat (laughs) or a random car go by you know um when I was thinking about you so much came to mind that I wanted to share I'm I'm, I'm curious (laughs) to see what that is I do have a pretty busy like I feel like I have a a busy story yeah and just a lot going on and Mm -hmm. um you're also like really transparent and just open and easy to talk to and so there's just a lot of things I feel like I don't know. Like, this is how I feel. You wax people, right? I do. So you are in very I'm a bikini close, waxer. Yeah, bikini waxer. See? So yeah. very close proximity <laughs> right. to people. So I feel like you're just transparent because right. you just have to be, right? right. Yeah. So that's, that's where I think it comes from. I have yet to get one of those, but that is a been, podcast for another I, I've day. I've been working on her for like four years. I've been trying to get her. She'll get all kinds of other things waxed, but she has not yet taken the leap. She thought about it, and then she was like, you know what? No. That's hilarious. So, so well, speaking of waxing, mm-hmm. let us start with your 
business story. Okay. Um, because I know this wasn't your first career not. choice, right? It was not. It was not. So tell us about that. It was not. I went to school. Um, I have an art degree, which is not very useful. I don't. <laughs> I am a first-generation college student, so my family was very entrepreneurial. My family um, was in the restaurant business, catering, all that stuff. So, um, and everybody always worked really hard. And to them, a college was sort of this magical place that you go and you, you know, take all these classes and you get this piece of paper. And then after, somebody pays you a lot of money to do what you love for the rest of your life. And <laughs> I didn't even, I came into college completely blind. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what a credit hour was. I had no idea how I was going to pay for it. Well, I did. I paid for it with a lot of loan. Yeah, right. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of scholarships towards the end when my grades were better. Sure. And um, a lot of um, just grants because my mom was poor, and <laughs> so. But I got through it. But um, yeah, so I um, I did college completely on my own. I worked through school. It took me a very long time, but I ended up graduating magna cum laude. So. I mean, it was not bad. Yeah, girl. yeah. Not bad. And I always tell people, nobody's ever going to ask you how long it took you to finish. They're just no. going to ask if you finished. So, and then after you start working, nobody's going to even care. nobody even cares. <laughs> Pretty much out of your first job, I can tell you exactly zero people have ever asked to see my college transcripts yeah. or what my GPA was yep. in college. So, um, yeah. So I um, got a fine arts degree. I got um, a degree in. Uh, actually uh, a certificate in uh, multimedia and communication arts and I was a graphic designer for a while I worked for an event million company I did graphic design I did all kinds of things and then um, I was working from home and, and we moved to Nashville and um, I was at home all day my husband was at work he was gone for like 12 mm-hmm. hours a day I was in a new city. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any way to meet anybody. And I was terribly miserable. It's kind of like quarantine. Kind of like quarantine. <laughs> exactly. You've already been there and done exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> and just by happenstance, I mean, really just like the grace of God, I wound up in an aesthetic school, which I don't even, I, I still to this day have no idea really how that happened other than I just wanted to get out of the house. <laughs> it sounds really bad. But I, I, um, I graduated and I, I thought I would go work for a spa and it would be relaxing and I could do facials and I really just sort of fell into waxing, which seems kind of crazy, but I feel like I'm sort of, you guys have never seen me, but I feel like I'm a pretty normal average girl. I'm a little chubby. I feel like I'm talkative. I don't know. Like, but people were really comfortable getting waxed by me and yes. I, and I just really felt like there was a lot of either people who are very uncomfortable getting waxed mm-hmm. by other people or just a, a lot of bad bikini waxers in the yeah, Nashville I mean, area. it's not... It's bad. It's... But listen, y'all, I built my entire business on waxing brows and bikinis. There like, you go. Like, six-figure business yeah. on waxing brows and yeah. bikinis. And um, I, I got my aesthetics license in 2012, and then I worked for other people, and I opened my own business in 2015, which That's was amazing. crazy, three yeah. years after getting licensed. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Not, yeah. That's so, awesome. Um, I know when we were talking a little bit about this, you had shared with me a little bit about how when you opened the business, yeah. you know, you were married, I but was no yet kids. A mom. Yeah. yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And how that's different now. So I've been really, um, my husband has always been, I've been really blessed in that my husband has always 
been able to provide for us well financially. Not that, you know, um, but we've always been able to kind of survive on my husband's income. So that really kind of freed me up to do whatever I wanted professionally, mm -hmm. which is a huge blessing sure. um, because we didn't rely on my income. And so, yeah. I mean, I think my husband, he actually took a $5,000 withdrawal from his 401k to let me start my first <laughs> did business. Did he really? Isn't that sweet? I did not know, I know. that. He was I like, yeah. So um, I started my first business and I just threw myself in head first because of my graphic design background. I was able to save myself a lot of money yeah, sure. on just like signage, website, business cards, branding, mm -hmm. things like that. And I had made a lot of connections professionally and um, I was able to really just throw myself in and I worked a ton of hours, I worked really long hours to build my business and mm -hmm. in the beauty industry and I think in any appointment based business, you just have to be available to people. So like sure. I worked Sundays, I worked at 8 p.m. I would be there at midnight like rearranging things mm -hmm. and my husband was just really supportive and was like, whatever you need to do, whatever. And I worked a lot. I, I worked bet. like 60, 70 hours a week. So. I bet. Um, just trying to, I remember one time in the beginning when I wasn't very busy, I went to see a movie between clients. That's how many, <laughs> <laughs> how many hours I had between clients, but a little bit of that for about six months. And then, you know, business just really kind of picked up for me. Yeah. And, um, but I was always able, this is what I was telling Nadia, um, all of my clients had my personal phone number and I would text them and mm. I would fit them in wherever I could fit them in. And I basically, um, set myself up for disaster when I became a mom and less available. Yeah. So, so um, I started my business in May 2015, and in June 2016, I gave birth <laughs> to my son. So, um, Game changer. Game changer. And I've always, I, Nadia and I have kind of talked about this, and she shared a little bit about how she always pictured herself being a working mom. I guess I really never had a choice but to think of myself as a working mm. mom. I was surrounded by working women. I, I don't think that I, I had a single friend who had a stay-at-home mom growing mm. up. It was just a really working class right. town. And um, I just didn't even really know that was an option. And honestly, like, my idea of stay-at-home moms was probably so stereotypical. I mean, I sure. gosh, I know so much more now. Like, I just yeah. thought, you're eating bonbons. What are you doing while your kids are in school? But, <laughs> right. Wrong. Which is terrible, yeah. right? It's <laughs> Especially now I'm eating my words during quarantine. I'm like, oh, God, homeschool. So, <laughs> so and uh, for those of you, if you don't know, my son has a speech delay. And so we're um, Zoom uh, speech therapy. It's terrible. Speech therapy, which is mm -hmm. even worse. I'm like, why are we paying mm -hmm. you? I'm well, that's like <laughs> when I talked to Louise, you know, two weeks ago and had her on the podcast. She was also, you know, working and the educator, teacher, and now speech therapist, too, mm -hmm. because her son, Ian. And also um, has so hearing hard. loss and speech delay yeah. and yeah so yeah yeah but, um, yeah I mean when I think about how many times my paths have changed I mean for me personally I was on the road to law school um, <laughs> it's a little different which isn't that funny yeah can you see me as a lawyer I can and I'm a little really I'm a little scared for the people on the other side <laughs> of the aisle yeah <laughs> Funny. Yeah. I am an Enneagram one. Yeah. You know, the achiever. I feel winner. like you would have been a great attorney. 
<sighs> well, that's probably not going to happen yeah. at this point, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There were just so many things that happened. I didn't realize it at the time, but like just things in and out of my path that caused me to go in a different direction. Um, and, you know, I, I always think like sometimes we think of like God's plan in our life just being like this roadmap. Mm-hmm. Turn here, stop here, make a left, you know, get on this highway. Um, but I think it's so much more of just growing where you're planted wherever you end up and where your path you know leads you that you do well with that moment you know yeah um yeah well I know um you were talking about kind of getting pregnant with Joe and you're like got a business that you just started and stuff um talk a little bit about like what's going through your head at that point and like thinking about becoming a mom and how that's going to impact things and what's going through your head. Yeah. So I was, my husband and I were married eight years when Joe was born and I was 32, which is not old by any means, but I felt like I had waited so long to be a mom that I really wanted to like give it my all. Yeah. And I also felt like I had a mom who had to work Sure. And so my husband and I were doing well financially, and I felt like that sort of those eyes from my mother, not that she would have ever said it, but I I think if my mom had the opportunity to stay at home with me, she would have Mm. loved it. My mom was also 32 when I was born, which Mm. meant a lot more in 1984 than it does now. Yeah, for sure. so I sort of felt this like guilt from my mother who is this amazing woman in my life that I was kind of, you know, stomping on her dream if I didn't if I continued to work quote unquote for money. Mm-hmm. And um I really did a lot of sort of self-exploration after Joe was born and I had um I struggled with postpartum depression big time. Yeah. Um after Joe was born and I didn't realize it until he was about four months old. And um, then I finally decided to sort of seek treatment to help myself and to save my marriage. And just to, um, it was just really difficult. I I really underestimated the balance. Mm -hmm. Um, And my job, my business, this baby that I had built, that I had become so successful um, with, that, you know, I built all these relationships with professional, personal, you know, because I had no friends when I came to Nashville. And so my clients became my friends. I mean, I see these people sometimes, like, you know, once a month, and I went to their weddings, and I went to their baby showers. Absolutely. And I just had this overwhelming urge to throw it all in the garbage. Yeah. And to quit my job and to stay at home with my baby. Yeah. And Antoine's always been really good about Antoine's my husband. <laughs> that's his name. He's always been really good about if I ever wanted to stay home, he wanted me to have that opportunity. And I don't know if that was good or bad at that mm. point. Like I feel like he he just kind of said to me like, "Hey, just let me know about three months before, and we can kind of figure things Make out." The plan. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just started to resent my job. I, I started to hate going into work every day. I, you guys don't have a, um, I don't know if any of you live in Nashville, but I, I live in White House and I worked in Brentwood. That's where my shop was. So it was about a 45 minute drive every day. And, and I just was resenting <laughs> everything. And, um, so, um, but I, I got help. I got on antidepressants. I got involved with, 
a group of ladies who helped me. I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of self-care. That's good. And I really worked on healing myself emotionally. And now, and I didn't give up my business, long <laughs> story short, um, but now I can't imagine. I can't imagine my life um, if I had given it up. And I know that there are seasons, and I read, have you ever read, um, what is that book? Capital Gains, Chip? I haven't, actually. Oh, my gosh. I was so moved by that. Yeah. He was talking about how Joe um, closed the store right before their second baby was born, even though it was very profitable, even though mm. because it, it was what she felt like she needed to needed do. to do, yeah. Yeah, and he was like, no, we can hire somebody else to work there. And she's like, no, like, this was my dream. This is what I wanted to do, and now this is what I wanted to do. And she closed it, and then God opened that door a couple of years later for her to reopen it, and now, you know. And I really, that so resonated with me mm. about how there are seasons of things, and I just feel like I was in a season of my life where I couldn't trust my own judgment. Mm. 90% of the time I can. Mm. But I'm so glad that I didn't know what to do and I didn't do anything. I know that sounds terrible. No. I, I just kept, there are seasons of surviving and thriving, right? Mm-hmm. We always talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I was in a moment of survival where I just kind of put one foot in front of the other and I kept working because it was what I knew to do. Yeah. And then things got better. I mean, um, we're very fortunate. I know some people um, don't have the same kind of options as we do but my mom lives with us yeah which some people she's <laughs> she's retired and lives <laughs> with us um and she's a stay-at-home grandma so yeah. she gets to kind of fulfill her dream that she's always wanted to kind of be a stay-at-home yeah. mom yeah and I get to go to work and build my business and do things for my family that I wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to do totally. so I feel like all around like it was a really um it was just a really challenging season And I can recognize that for what it is now and and see how important it was to not have made a rash decision based on like a momentary, you know, want. Well, and I mean, postpartum depression. Terrible. I mean, just pause right there for a second. As a new mom. Did you have postpartum? I did. Yeah. I had no clue that that's what I had. My postpartum was anger. And that's why I didn't, everybody had always talked about, are you sad? Are you sad? Do you want to hurt yourself or the baby? And the baby was the only one I liked. I hated my husband. (laughs) I hated my mother. I wanted to just take him and leave. And I I was so, I'll tell you that really embarrassing. I don't, this is, I don't know if I want to share this on the internet. Well, it's your choice. Yeah. Uh, um, When I realized I had a problem, my husband and I were going out to eat with some friends and I couldn't find my wallet and I didn't need my wallet. I I didn't. um, My husband, we have a joint bank account. He had his wallet and I couldn't find it. And I kept feeling like somebody had a remote control to my brain and they were changing the channel. That's the closest thing I can like explain to it. And I couldn't find it. And I laid down grown woman, 32 years old, laid down on my floor in my living room and threw a like. Four year old time, yeah. like threw yeah. a fit on the floor, and my husband just did not. His eyes were just, <laughs> and he was like, "I don't, I don't even. You don't even need your wallet. Get in the car." Right. And I'm like, "I'm not getting in the car." He's like, "Get in the car." It was this whole like, I mean, it really was. And later, when I was alone and and by myself, I had this realization. I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't think that's normal. Mm-mm. Like, I don't think that's yeah. how I would have acted. But I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Like, there's so many articles and people <laughs> who were like, this is postpartum depression. And the reality is, it it's is different. whatever yeah. it is for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can't say, well, I didn't have it because I wasn't sad, or I, I don't think I had it because of this, that, or whatever. I had no clue that that's what I was dealing with. Yeah. Um, you know, so I just think... 
if you're listening and you just had a baby, just feel how you feel. Exactly. And I think the more mamas you can talk to and just be real and transparent about what you're feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, you can message me any day. I have no judgment. I almost yeah. died after my daughter was born. Yeah. And so that'll be a podcast for another All day. But yeah. Um, yeah, you just feel what you feel. But I think we try to fit postpartum almost into like this little bubble of what it should look like. And you can feel really isolated if yeah. you're not in that bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I think um, you had asked me before how I thought that that impacted like that whole experience impacted like um, me working and yeah. the career side of like who I am, like what going through postpartum depression and wanting to give up my business and ultimately not doing it. And I think in general, it just sort of made me more relatable to people. I really totally. just learned in that season of my life to ask for forgiveness, which is something I've never been really comfortable with. I always felt like asking for forgiveness was admitting failure. Like I have failed you, mm. please forgive me. Yeah. And um, I think in the beginning, I just constantly felt like I was letting people down for the things that I had to do as a mom or the things I had to do as a business owner. You know, I was always apologizing to my mom for being late coming home from work. Oh, I'm so sorry, but I had yeah. to I had to finish my QuickBooks statement. I had to pay my quarter. I'm so sorry. Or like um, one day, no shame here. I I my sons. He we did put him in like a Mother's Day out program twice a week to give my mom a break. I took him to school on a day that the school was closed. <laughs> it was like a, a, some kind of random holiday that they were closed. And I didn't have time to take him home yeah. before I had to go to work because it was on my way to work. So I literally called every friend that I knew yes. on my way to work, seeing who could come get him from my shop while I was working <laughs> and hang with him for like six hours while I finished working. I mean, this is, you know. It's but your just, life. It's just, your life. It happens. But just asking for that forgiveness. And once I started being real with people and not saying things like, oh, I'm so sorry you got stuck in traffic. Yeah. Once I started being like, look, I forgot my kid was in the car and I brought him here and I'm sorry I'm 15 <laughs> minutes late because I just, you know, um, but once I started being more honest with myself and with my clients, it just really brought the best kind of people into my life. The best yeah. kind of women, the best kind of friends, the best kind of coworkers, and um, only really the like most loving and supportive people remained. I really becoming a mom in that sense just kind of cut out a lot of the like garbage from my life I know mm. that sounds terrible no. but those friends yeah. who are just I don't even know if you want to call them friends those people who are just exhausting mm. in your life and just expect so much from you and just take and don't add Yeah. Um, I didn't even there was no big like I'm breaking up with you moment they just kind of fell out of Faded my away. life yeah. yeah for sure and, I totally get that yeah awesome well I think that is just really good, and I appreciate all that you shared because I think that it's important, you know, particularly as a working mom, to know who the people are in your life who really are your tribe, your squad, yeah. your whatever you want to call them, yeah. but those moms that you can call up and be like, I have to go out of town, and I didn't realize, and can you drop my kid off, which yeah. I've done to you, I think, <laughs> two or three times. It's okay. Nadia and I live half a block away from each other. We actually live in the same home. We live in the same model house, so it's really fun when I come here. I know where the bathroom is always. It's really confusing for our little children, though, It is. Because they walk in, and they're like, wait, is this my house? This is your house. <laughs> my house has many more people and animals, so That's that true. is. That's true. That's true. Um, well, I wanted you to talk about, because you made a big decision about your business yeah. um, and so I wanted you to talk about just like getting through that postpartum phase and like that big decision you had to make yeah so um, I kind of um, you know 
when I had to make a decision about what I was going to do to find the balance. So kind of after the dust settled on me being a new business owner after about a year and after the dust settled on me being a new mom after about a year, um, I could kind of get to a headspace where I could make rational and reasonable decisions without like a super emotional, it's hard as women Mm -hmm. to make decisions and take a lot of emotion out of it. But ultimately I decided that um, I could still work and I could still be a mom, but I needed to find a better way to do it. So yeah. I took a really big leap in 2018, and I closed my Brentwood business that I had built um, for three years, my six-figure business, my wonderful – I had a great reputation. I had um, – and um, I opened a new business with a new name um, in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is in the same county that I'm in and is about like a nine or 10 mile drive instead of a 47 mile drive. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was really, I kind of went into mourning when I closed my business because like I said about the friends and things before, so many of those people were my friends. And if any of you are listening, you'll know (laughs) that you were my friends. I went to your weddings. I went to, so, um, but ultimately, it was what I needed to do to be able to do both. And I think that's a really good um, – I think people have this all-or-nothing mentality when it yeah. comes to a lot of things. And it was just what I needed to do to find the balance. So mm-hmm. um, I am happier than ever. My business just celebrated its one-year anniversary. That's so cool. In the location that we're in. I've been up here for two years, but I just reopened it, a new business. Um, and you've already been a there ago. a year. Yeah, a it's year insane. ago. I know. Time is flying. And you know what? Like, it's just being honest with myself from the beginning and setting boundaries from the beginning. And I always heard people say boundaries. And what's that woman that's famous for saying boundaries? She's an author. I think there's a lot of them. Uh, I don't know. But I'm not a good boundary person. <laughs> but, you know, my number one boundary was like, hey, don't give people your personal phone number. Yeah. Uh, because they don't know. They don't realize. And, and you have a lot of guilt. And they don't, you know, I'm nursing my baby and trying mm-hmm. to book appointments on myself. And I don't even think that's intentional, you know. Like, it's I not. realized. You think you're one person. Yeah. And it's like, I have 450 clients. And yeah. if each of you text me one time a month, yeah. that is so many messages. And then I... And Nadia can attest to this. I'm terrible at text messaging. If you ever text me, I will get back to you like in a week, maybe. I'll read it when I'm driving and then I'm like, oh, I'll respond. I never. I'm terrible. And that's, you know, something that I've had to just own. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that is me now. It's Mm -hmm. okay. It's okay to not have an answer to it or it's okay to, um, but having to set those boundaries about, you know, Again, I was so into my phone. At one time, I had a BlackBerry and an iPhone. Isn't that terrible? That's when crazy. I was a designer, I you know. had a BlackBerry. I did, I mean, and an iPhone. We could talk about that. Yeah, we'll we just can move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was so connected to technology all the time. And when I was yeah. a graphic designer, I had a job that required me to be attached to a computer all the time and connected right. all the time. And sure. when I became a mom, I was just like, I just didn't. I just dropped it. Yeah which is not good. <laughs> You're a business owner. Again, I found the balance. But I think you don't, you don't even think about it because I'm sitting around here on Mother's Day and, you know, I have time. So what do I do? I text my hairstylist 
who's like just opened back up after quarantine, who's also a working mom. Yeah. I text her on Mother's Day and yeah. I'm like, when is your next appointment? And immediately think I'm an oh idiot. Oh my God, I'm so It's terrible. Mother's yeah. Day. I'm sorry. Yeah. Please get back with me whenever. When, whenever you can. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because when I have those nooks and crannies in my day, yeah. I use those to do things I feel like and I don't I, have honestly, time to do. I, I always tell people, I will not take offense to it if you do not take offense at my lack of response. Right. I invested yeah. in an online booking software, and so if people really um, have a hard time getting a hold of me, they can just book their own appointment. Online. Totally. So. Totally. <laughs> well, I know that you're like a huge proponent of moms being gentle with themselves, yeah. giving a lot of grace. Yeah. And so having a business that really is centered around self-care and this idea of taking care of yourself, can you share a little bit about how you take care of yourself? Yeah. And then what are some of your like go-tos when you kind of need to refocus and yeah, stuff? Yeah, for sure. So um, the first thing that I want to say is I think that self-care looks different in different seasons. Mm. <laughs> and you have to give yourself a little bit of grace race. Um, I mean, I think self-care before motherhood may have looked like a six-hour day at the spa, right. highlights, a facial, and now self-care may be a bath by yourself. Hiding in your closet. Hiding in your closet. <laughs> yeah. So I think in general, it's just important to ask yourself, um, am I doing this because I want to be doing it or because I should be doing it? Because mm-hmm. I hear a lot of people saying, like, I'm practicing self-care. I had to tweeze my mustache or like clip my toenails and whatever and it's like um I I feel like the only way self-care works is if you feel good about doing it right Mm. you don't do it because you have a responsibility to do it you don't do it because you know I don't know you feel like I should be getting a bikini wax Mm -hmm. You're like, Nadia's shaking your head right now. She's like, oh, no. But you do it because you're like, okay, I like how this makes me feel. I want to do it for me. So in that sense, I think that self-care can be different for every single person. Yeah, that's a really, Um, really good point. So I think that um, you also need to ask yourself, um, is this going to make me feel good now? Or am I going to be glad that I did it later? Mm, So just, again, self-care not being, like, sacrificial, right? Like, I'm doing this because I have to do it. I was watching Pinterest, and they said I had to make this homemade mask (laughs) and deep condition my hair and put on these, like, Asian foot peel booties so that I have the perfect, you know, (laughs) are you doing, and if you want to do that, if that's your thing, if you're like, oh, that's awesome, but do not do it because, um, you know, you feel like you're expected to do it. Right. Right. And so I think that's the biggest thing about um, self-care. So I love, though, that you said the word should there because, you know, I did the podcast last week was on Rachel's Rachel Hollis's live mm-hmm. and she talked about shitting all over yourselves. <laughs> and I, I just love that. And I've caught myself so many times being like, you know what? I should. And I'm like, no, I'm mm-hmm. not going to say that. It's become a bad word in our house. Yeah. So I think self-care is kind of a trendy word. Uh-huh. And I... I hashtag it a lot with our Instagram. Sure. But sometimes self-care is um, reading what you want to read. I mean, for me, I like baths. Nadia and I have talked about this. I probably take more baths than anybody you know. Um, My husband knows this, and I get bath salts and things like that on the regular. I love... um, I love to read, but I have different, I have to read things that are appropriate for the mindset that I'm in. Sure. Like sometimes I start reading things and I have to stop reading them because they're too heavy. Yeah. Or I'm just not in a good place and I need to read something that's like funny and kind of, you know, it's kind of like television. I can't always watch CSI. Sometimes I got to watch like, I don't know, the Golden Girls, right? Like, right. You know, I love like the Golden those. Girls. I know. And sometimes self-care looks like, you know, sitting in my bathtub for 45 minutes and watching YouTube videos 
about ridiculous things. And I think that's self-care too. I think just carving out timing your day especially for moms you know women in general I think we're such givers yeah we give so much mm. and we are at least me I've been so guilty in the past of saying like but I don't even I'm not even doing anything for me and I'm not but like whose fault is that because <laughs> if I really wanted to disappear and lock all the doors and go into a bath by myself mm. my husband wouldn't have anything to say about it so right. like it's not his fault that I'm not yeah. practicing self-care yeah no I think that's really good I think you talked a lot about like sacrifice and I think sometimes we can be just really like self-sacrificing yeah. to the point that we're martyrs, we're martyrs yeah for, for sure. our cause you yeah. know we are doing this yeah. and going and doing all the things and if we just took 20 minutes or 30 minutes to carve out some quiet time to practice whatever self-care that could be meditation for you or prayer or taking mm-hmm. a bath or taking a walk yeah. or you know sitting in your closet in silence recording a podcast whatever it is yeah um just taking the time to do that and refill your cup a little bit right you know will mm-hmm. give you mm-hmm. uh, just a better outlook and attitude with your family and, for sure. and yourself yeah. you know yeah so some of the things that I just like to do I like uh, Nadia always laughs at me because I'm I, I think just washing your face really well it sounds really silly but a lot of us do just this haphazard like makeup wipe situation or we don't that's me like sometimes I go through like a whole like three step triple cleanse process I like use an oil cleanser and then I like use a toner with some acids in it and then I cleanse with you know I, I do um, just to make sure my face is really clean even if you don't apply fancy serums or even if you don't just like taking a solid five minutes to like make sure I got the day off of me my hair is probably greasy but my face is clean <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but yeah just simple things and, and just carving out simple things I like to get up before my family I've never been a morning person and then I became a mom and sometimes the only quiet time I get is the 30 minutes before my yes. kid wakes up so oftentimes I'll wake up at 6 a.m. and I'll go have coffee on my porch swing by myself. I don't even, you know, I used to read my Bible in the morning. It's really terrible. Um, sometimes I do that, but sometimes I just sit there without my phone, right. without a book. I sit there and I swing and I listen to everything that's going on in the morning. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, 30 minutes goes by. But I really feel like I've done something for myself. And it's not every day, guys. Yeah. It's not every day. Yeah. Some days, you know. I just self- some days your toddler so, comes down at five fifteen because they peed in the floor. Or, yeah, you know. Some days self care is going to bed at eight thirty. I mean, yes. like also good. I just think that you know probably a good practice is to make yourself a list of like five to ten things that you know you really feel like would nourish yourself, mm-hmm. like whether it be mentally, whether it be, and they can be simple things like I said, like going to bed early or having a cup of coffee alone. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. I love that. That's yeah. your homework. Mm-hmm. Sandy's giving you homework. Yeah. Five make to ten a, things. Make yourself a list of five to ten things. Put a note on your phone. And when you're like, I don't know what I should do, go through the list and be like, oh, mm-hmm. I can paint my fingernails. Mm-hmm. That I know. Take- you know, one of the things that I'll be guilty of is I'll have 30 minutes or 45 minutes when I could. You wasted on Facebook. And I wasted on I social know. media. Yeah. That's yeah. a hard one for me because mm-hmm. I have to use social media for work. Totally. So oftentimes I get caught up in that. But I've even mm-hmm. this past year, I'm in the process of kind of like stubbing that out to somebody because I just, I have to, you know, <clears throat> somebody told me, I wish I remember who it was because it was brilliant. Maybe it's something that came from my own brain. <laughs> take credit (laughs) but somebody told me one time you know sometimes you have more time than money and sometimes you have more money than time oh that's good which good and I'm like oh my gosh because growing up with no money with a single mom I think I've often taken this mentality like I can do it myself or I can do yeah I can do this I can do that I can do this and not realizing that you know I can paint my 12 foot ceilings but um 
A, do I want to? And B, do I want to be a blessing to somebody else and give them money for a job that they are fully qualified to do, right? So if I didn't have the money to do it, that would be one thing. But if you do, Mm -hmm. I just think you need to give yourself a little grace there. And sometimes you do things yourself and sometimes you pay other people to do them. That's so good. I love that. So as we kind of start to kind of wrap up, um, I always like to ask um, kind of a final question. So what's like the best thing that another mom has like spoken into your life advice or I don't know wisdom or what you got so um I for a long time so I'm an Enneagram 7 I don't know if you guys know what your Enneagram is but fine you should do it you should it's such a good tool for like Mm self-exploration so a 7 is um my friend Ginger actually got me into Enneagram so shout out to Ginger so um she I took it, and I'm, what is, it's called the enthusiast, number seven. Yeah. And so we yeah. are sort the of. the cheerleader. We are the cheerleaders, and mm-hmm. I really feel like that resonates with me. But we are also, like, quick to start things and never finish them. We're the people who, it sort of looks like procrastination, but really we're the pleasure seekers. So when something becomes uncomfortable or we sort of face adversity, we kind of, like, dip to the left or dip to the right, right? <laughs> we start something else. Like, mm, that's uncomfortable, and we sort of. And so for a long time, I mean, even just with life in general, with subjects in school, with going back to, like, I begged my mom to to let me be in ballet because I liked the outfit. (laughs) And I, like, hated it, like, like first class. And I begged her. And she was like, I paid for this. You're going to finish out the entire... Yeah. And I actually think the teacher felt so bad for me because I was absolutely miserable. She put me in, like, the jazz class so I'd have something to do. (laughs) I'm not built to be a ballerina, let's just put that way. But anyways... (laughs) I've always, like, quit things my entire life. I don't mean, like, quit things, like, I've just always, like, I would start painting a room, and I would hit a spot, and I would stop doing it, and it would be unpainted. As we speak, my trim in my bathroom that I started painting six months ago, more than six months ago, is not complete. So I'm terrible about that, right? And I pivot, and I, I do these things, and I try really hard, and I have a lot of guilt about it, but what I have sort of um, realized, and what I've come to realize, and I had this friend who said to me, you know, um we get labeled as things sometimes as a kid or sometimes as an adult and somewhere along the line somebody labeled me as scatterbrained Mm. and it's something that I have clung to my entire life Mm. right and I've always just felt this like really negative connotation yeah um towards it and so every time I would like not finish a project I would be like oh you're so scatterbrained every time I would forget something really important um, I would be like, oh, you're so scatterbrained. Yeah. Every time. And um, she said to me, you know, sometimes we outgrow labels. Mm. And I never, it never occurred to me that I could outgrow it, you know. And That's so good. really diving into um, my Enneagram number and doing a lot of, like, self-work and self-help work. And obviously having postpartum depression and being on antidepressants and having to do a lot of, like, the the physical or the um, emotional heavy lifting that Mm -hmm. came along with that allowed Mm -hmm. me to see myself in different ways and I think you know some of my best qualities some of the things that people love most about me are I have all the ideas and I just need to surround myself with executors with people who execute the ideas here's this idea and I'm handing it over to you and it's okay not to be everything it's okay not to be the guy who has the idea and the guy who makes a million dollars off of it and that the world needs all of us right And so as soon as she told me that, like, you know, we can outgrow our labels, like we don't have to label ourselves. It like changed 
everything for That's me. That's so good. It really, I started thinking about, um, I'm not scatterbrained. Right. I am averse to um, things that are unpleasurable. So when something is uncomfortable or confrontational, um, I go to something that is more pleasurable. Right. And I, and I don't mean that in like a, <laughs> like, like I'm leaving my marriage type thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, you know, when I'm not winning at something, I know when it's time to cut my losses and go to the next big thing. Right. And I think that is a quality that has allowed me to be an entrepreneur. Sure. I think it's a quality that has allowed me to... Um, motivate my husband in ways he might not have. He's a number five Enneagram. Mm. It's hard that we're married, let me tell you. But um, but um, that just understanding that, and I want to tell so many women who say things like, they'll say, oh, I'm so forgetful, yes. or oh, I'm so busy all the time. I want to say to them, like, does that label fit you mm-hmm. now? Are mm-hmm. you are you busy, or are you is your life just full? Yeah. Like, are yeah. you, I just feel like we use such negative words to describe all these traits of women. And once I started to think about my quote unquote scatterbrainedness as, um, the reason I come across as scatterbrained is because I don't stop thinking. Right. I have one idea after the next, after the next, after the next. And I, I'm constantly thinking of ways that things can be better and ways that we can do things better. And that is such an admirable and God-given quality. That, the, that's what God put in my brain. Absolutely. Um, and I think that my husband, who is the, um, <laughs> sometimes I accuse him of having paralysis by analysis. <laughs> he is a total like analyzer and um, doesn't make any sudden movements and needs all the facts before he moves. So sometimes it can look like he's not doing anything because he plans so much. Yeah. He doesn't ever act. And the two of us like need each other Yeah, because if I didn't have him, I'd be broke living in a van by the river <laughs> and he would be like stuck in his house and he would never leave. Right. So, I mean, it just, the longer that you're married to somebody who's sort of your opposite, the more you see like how God put your complimentary, totally. like put your pair with you. Right. Yeah, and I so, mean, not just marriage. Like, yeah. I'm going to say, you know, we Friendship. Were, yeah, Sandy and I were sitting in the Target parking lot in a social distancing mom afternoon. Mm-hmm. In our and minivans. I'm, I'm thinking about all these things. We both drive minivans, and I'm, I'm giving her all these ideas. And in her true, you know, Enneagram 7 nature, she was like, what are you waiting on? You, she had all the ideas. She literally had everything planned out. She's like, this is what I, I know I'm going to do this, and I know I'm going to do this, and I know I'm And I've known Nadia for four years, and she's probably been talking about this podcast for a solid one. Yeah. Like, you've been talking about this. Yeah. And I'm like, you have so much time. I have never seen a woman fit more into her life than Nadia. And she was like... I don't know. I don't know what I'm waiting for. I mean, and that question was a huge aha moment for me because I went home and I said, what am I afraid of? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I think that just speaks to a couple of things I took away from what you just said. One, who you surround yourself with mm-hmm. and the people who speak into your life, both the person who called you scatterbrained years ago yeah. and the woman who called you out on it and yeah. said you've outgrown that label. You've outgrown that like, label. So important to have those people in your life. And like, listen, and CEOs of major companies and all these people who are like super successful will tell you that the key to their success is surrounding themselves with people who can do things that they cannot do. Absolutely. You don't want to surround yourself with people who do things exactly the way that you do mm-hmm. them or who are just as good at you at all these things like everybody has things that they're good at if Mm -hmm. I need organization I go to Nadia (laughs) (laughs) I don't go to me no but um and I think once you find that niche once you 
are honest enough with yourself to say, I am not everything and it's okay. Yeah. Like I can lean on my friends who are good at these things for um, what they're good for. Absolutely. I mean, I was just listening to an old like YouTube, Tony Robbins Mm -hmm. YouTube today because I'm always trying to listen to something when I'm just doing mindless like sourcing for work or something. And he used that same analogy. He said, you have these thoughts that are in your head that you have decided or someone decided for you was who you were. If you look at health or something, Mm -hmm. you may say, well, I'm big boned or I this Mm -hmm. or I that. Mm -hmm. And that's just been who you've been your entire life. Or you may say like, well, I'm just, you know, blue collar and that's just who I, whatever it is. And a lot of times it's someone we love who spoke that into Mm -hmm. our life, which makes it that much harder to, to grow away from it because sometimes you can't grow away from that person. They're Mm -hmm. still present, you know, in your life. So I love that. I love what you said. I think having having a group of women if you're a working mom I think having a group of working moms um, to just encourage you and remind you that Mm -hmm. it is all good um, and that they feel the same way you are not alone um, is just critical Mm -hmm. really yeah for sure yeah this is such a great podcast Nay. well thanks it's gonna be good (laughs) I have a feeling. I hope so. I've been encouraging her secretly, selfishly to start this podcast because I needed it in my life. So there you go. There you go. Well, (laughs) I, um, I just really appreciate all that you shared today on the patio with sirens going by and cats (laughs) meowing. Um, it's always, I love to catch up with you and we always have the best chats and we solve all the world's problems. Um, so it's always just such a, a delight for me. I love it. Um, If you live in the Nashville area and you want a fantastic experience, please follow Fresh Aesthetics. Can you tell them where they can find you? Yeah. So um, our website is freshskintn.com, and you can look up Fresh Aesthetics on Facebook. Um, We're in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and we have, I mean, I may be biased, but I have filled my business with the most wonderful women. I'm so blessed and lucky to surround myself with women that I are truly a joy um, to work with. And I feel like share so much of my um, personal, you know, what I want for women when they come into our shop, what I want them to feel. I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to feel um, unashamed. I want them to feel Um, sort of like a kinship and I have been really blessed to find employees I highly I mean obviously you might want to come see me (laughs) because they hide me but um but I everybody that works in my shop is fantastic yeah I I echo that I definitely echo that so schedule yourself some mom time yeah get your brows done get a facial or shoot like when's the next Botox party when is that happening you know COVID kind of killed it so we got to figure that out yeah because our nurse practitioner friend is a little busy with oh I bet she is yeah with other things yeah yeah Yeah. um but I always say just a little side note a brow wax is one of the cheapest beauty things you can do for yourself. It's it $16 is. at my shop, and it makes you feel like a million bucks. It right? does. It yeah. does. I go regularly now. Yeah. So, well, I love you. I love you more. Thanks for joining me today. I'm excited. Thanks for having me on your patio. <laughs> You're welcome.
Thanks for joining me today to share in this great conversation with my sweet friend and fellow working mama, Sandy. If you found joy or encouragement in today's episode, don't forget to subscribe so you can know anytime we have a new episode and please share on social media. My design for this podcast is that it would be a place where working moms can feel encouraged and affirmed, hopefully laugh a little bit and not walk away with just another thing to add to your to-do list. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Memoirs from the Minivan. Have a great day, mamas.